0: right like. Podcast for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals and more importantly, understand how their body really works. I am your host, I'm Shimaine Linney. I am a nutritional therapist, integrative health practitioner, and biohacker. I'm very happy to have you back with me for another part of your day and Our first podcast guest of the new year, super exciting. Before I introduce him, I will remind you that the information in these podcast episodes is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult your health practitioner before making any lifestyle changes. So today... Help me welcome back Dr. Sam Shea he is the first guest of 2024 and if I am correct Sam you are also the first guest of 23 because we did oh. our last conversation like January 5th I think of 23 so
1: well we're the beginnings of a tradition we would yeah. just have this 25 right now on out so yeah, yeah.
0: Total coincidence, though I will be honest, I didn't plan this. (laughs) So Dr. Sam Shea DC, IFMCP solves health puzzles for busy health conscious moms, mompreneurs, and adults with Asperger's so that they can exit survival mode and re-enter community. Known as the friendly lab nerd, Dr. Shea specializes in functional lab and genetic analysis for data-driven results. Dr. Shea is also a stand-up comic check out his stuff he's quite funny using clean observational comedy to help educate and entertain people and I asked Dr. Sam back because I wanted Sam to come on. He is one of the experts that I follow on everything related to genetics and methylation, along with a few others, but I highly respect his perspective and his educational approach on this topic. Um, Last year, we kind of touched on genetics and fat loss and that sort of stuff, but I'm going to be honest with you guys. There's a lot of talk about methylation and genetic testing right now, and I wanted Sam to come on and Give us the truth, fill in the gaps so we have the whole picture. We're going to kind of mention, I'm going to say it straight out the gate, there is an, a guy going around now. Many of you have heard of him because you've approached me about what do I think about what he's saying and this and the other. His name is Gary Bracca and the reason he's kind of on the headlines now is because of the work he's done with Dana White. And it's not that everything he said is wrong and it's not that we don't dislike him. We want to fill in the gaps and make sure that you understand the bigger picture around methylation, what it is, genetics and all of that fun stuff. So I'm gonna just let Dr. Sam go and uh teach teach us, Sam.
1: Sure. Thank you, Shameen. Um, so the the episode basically what happened is uh Gary Brecka uh gave was uh, did a podcast with Joe Rogan in late last year and uh, Gary's team uh, helped Dana White, who's the head of the UFC, uh, come back from the brink of like uh, insanely high triglycerides, uh, really high blood pressure that wasn't being helped by medication and all these other health issues, thyroid issues. And so other things that were really screwing him up. I mean, and it was very likely given the way he was describing Dana's health. And by the way, Dana's published all of his bloods online is openly talked about this as so a full permission to discuss. And he's no stranger to controversy. And I mean, in some small way, it may be some clever marketing thing. Cause the more you talk about Dana White, the more you look at UFC, which supports his business, but also the guy, I think generally feels a tremendously better. And I do applaud for sure. Gary's and Gary, Gary and Gary's team for what they've done. And the, the, the podcast itself um, focused on five, genes and uh this is the five genes uh surrounding methylation specifically mthfr mtr mtr hcy and comp uh, and we won't we we don't need to unpack like what those actually stand for i mean you can win a scrabble tournament if you want a first name basis with all of these genes mm-hmm. uh, but that's that's not the point not to show off how polysyllabic one can be it's that he he focuses on five genes uh within the methylation pathway Gary, when I listened to the podcast, I very much respected how good of a how, how articulate a teacher uh mr brecco is like how good he was very good at simplifying the concepts down to understandable language. He covered a very wide range of topics from like the history of seed oils to what what the importance is of methylation methylation how it influences blood pressure amongst many other things um the 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 issues around different types of vitamins and and The the problems with certain synthetic vitamins versus vitamins that are found in nature and and the the problems that those cause and how uh, there's based on a genetic mutation, you can't process, you know, 40-ish percent people can't process the synthetic vitamins that are sprayed in all our grains, Mm -hmm. um, et cetera. And and he's an excellent teacher, and he also mentioned some of the other modalities that he uses, whether it's cold therapy, pulsed electromagnetic fields, Uh, uh, and there was one other I'm blanking on at the moment, but
0: sauna.
1: sauna, Thank you. Yeah. So there's, he he focused on, he he focused on other modalities as well and nutrition and the importance of real food and the importance of getting really quality supplements and the importance of genetics testing. And the, the concerns that um, uh, I share with Shemaine that why, why she reached out to me was that the the five genes that gary was focused on it appeared as if those were the key core five genes that everyone needed to have and this was it it seemed like magic bulletism to me it seemed like this is the magic genetic bullet like these five rounds and then Mm -hmm. it's this is it and that's the complete story and you can just have this magic transformation which a lot of people can i don't deny that Uh, asterisk in conjunction with all the other therapies that he was mentioning. Um, And what I wanted to do for this, for this uh, podcast, and there's, there's a visual, if you're listening, I would highly encourage you to, to, to watch at some point Um, that I'm going to go through the rest of the methylation pathway to show the, you know, dozen other genes that are involved with methylation, as well as talk about the things, the process in the body that are superordinate to methylation. Yes, methylation touches on all the processes in the body, but it's, 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 it makes it, Gary made it sound like it's unidirectional, like methylation controls everything. That is not true. It is absolutely not true. There are things that control methylation. So I would rather not fixate on methylation. I would include methylation in my analysis. Absolutely. But I would not give it the seat of primacy, at all, because there are things above methylation like inflammation, free radical scavenging, vitamin D utilization, liver detoxification that can absolutely throw methylation into a different direction. That you need to, that 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 is more important to handle within the body, of which methylation is a is a coping mechanism of how to adapt to those other processes. So. That's what I'm going to cover today. It's going to be a more technical conversation than than most podcasts. So uh, do 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 buckle up a little bit uh, for for some super nerd gloriousness of <laughs> methylation. You know, <laughs> anyway. So uh, so what you're looking at here on this slide is the homocysteine methylation map. And so what you're looking at is it's it there's a lot here and that's because there's a lot in methylation again gary really did a good job simplifying methylation i think he radically oversimplified but you know how much can you discuss on a two hour 20 minute podcast with you know joe rogan so i don't i don't totally fault him you know i I just i wish he would just fill have filled it out a bit more but you know you're only limited with so much time so here's here's the bigger methylation map. Now, I will say that there are even more genes than these that are listed here. And you're looking at 15, 16 genes in total that are on this image. And there's even more that, that could be listed. And uh, the genes that I've listed here, they're based off of very specific criteria where they're there's a with exception of AHcy which I cut and pasted it into where it would be because I don't normally test for AHcy which is one of the five that Gary mentioned. The reason why is because less than ten percent of the general population has an actual variation on them on AHcy that meaningfully would change what what to do because. You don't want to test a gene that's 0.001% of the population. It's just so obscure. There's value for that 0.001% that needs to have that gene checked, but for the general population, I don't think so. HCY is actually one of the most conserved genes in the entire mammalian lexicon of genes. Mm-hmm. It's, one of the least amount, it's, it's, it's one of the most conserved out there. So is it important? Absolutely. It wouldn't have been conserved otherwise. And, and the solution around any HCY is basically B3, So if there is a... concern.
0: test it if it's not kind of hierarchy?
1: Well, because it's a different philosophical approach. Like HCY is important for the people, the few number of people that do have the variation. It's super important, Mm -hmm. but it's, but there's a threshold with, with the genetics tests that I use, there was a threshold decided that there has to be at least 10% of the general population that has to have the gene variation. Plus there has to be enough, research done on humans to show that nutrigenomic epigenetic changes in lifestyle alone, lifestyle diet nutrition alone can change the expression of the gene, not a drug, but lifestyle diet nutrition. So there's there's several criteria that go into picking genes. And as a result, other genes aren't picked because they don't cross that threshold. Doesn't mean they're not important, but it just means they don't cross that threshold. If you're going to do a general test out to the public, I would want to make sure I test for really important genes that at least 10% of the population had the risk of variations of that. Also, had research done on humans, not wombats or nematodes, mm-hmm. that showed that lifestyle, diet, nutrition alone will shift the expression of that gene in the direction we want. Mm-hmm. So, so there's, there's tons. Look, there's over. There's not over. There's about. It's over 25,000. There's a 20. There's arguably 25 to 30,000 genes in the human lexicon of genetics. Mm-hmm. The the I only test for like 110 because those are the 110 that fall into those criteria that relate to health. So that they're, they're the ones that have, um,
0: they're the ones that most matter.
1: They're the ones that most matter. They're the ones that have the, that, that address one, at least one of the seven drivers of all diseases, inflammation, free radical damage, scavenging, liver detox, vitamin D utilization, methylation, which is number five, not number one, Mm -hmm. uh, Cardiovascular circulation, fat energy metabolism. I don't test for disease genes. I test for the genes that if they go awry, drive and down and poke on the quote disease genes underneath them. So it's looking at a much higher level. So they have to, the genes have to be one of those seven drivers. They have to be the generals of those genes. There's hundreds of genes that are involved directly and directly with with inflammation, Mm -hmm. but there's only like 15 that are the top top ones that control all the other ones underneath. Then you want to have the genes that are that you know have the variations within ten percent, at least twenty percent of the population, and the ones that have the human based uh, research on, like we just described. So that you of those four criteria, you boil down 30,000 30, genes down to like a hundred. Mm. And, and that's and that's the level of analysis I look at is the very high level most important ones. Now the of the five Gary picked, four of them fall into that criteria. Hcy did not, doesn't mean Hcy is not important, but it just didn't fulfill all those four criteria. So going through the whole methylation cycle, the the primary focus on the methylation cycle is to deal with homocysteine. Now homocysteine Gary explained very well. I I very much liked his explanation. Uh, that, you know, you've got you've got this this molecule. Will if if you don't keep recycling it back into a useful uh, amino acid called methionine, it, it's going to cause a lot of damage along the cardiovascular system and then just kind of wreak havoc. Now, homocysteine is so is so bad for the body. The body literally has three ways to get rid of it. Normally, there's only like one process at most two yeah. to like transfer something. I mean, I, I'm sure there's other biochemical pathways that. Have multiple ways to remove a thing but to have three really intense ways to get rid of one thing is, is it shows you just how bad homocysteine is mm-hmm. so homocysteine can be taken through what's called the folate cycle which was where uh, uh gary was focusing on um which is you go there's mtr there's mtr there's mthfr by the way there's mthfr one is mthfr two mm-hmm. so there's actually another one that's right there there's there's a second one there uh, so homocysteine goes through the folate cycle, and this is where you know it's called the folate cycle because it needs folate, and folate also B twelve, also uh, B six, also B two, um, and th- there's other nutrients involved. I mean, he only touched on really the the folate issue and the versus the folic acid. Um, so homocysteine goes through the folate cycle, which is very efficient. It's the preferred method to go back to methionine. And then methionine then converts uh, using SAMI, you know, used through, and then go through uh, other genes like the comp gene and beca- and SAMI becomes SAW, and then it it passes through AHCY, and then it goes back into, to homocysteine. And then it can hopefully go through the folate cycle and just keeps spinning through. Now, if the folate cycle breaks down, there's an indirect pathway, which is, uh, which uses BHMT, which basically uses trimethylglycine, which is another molecule that he described to quickly you use TMG is also called betaine Mm -hmm. and which is made from choline, but the enzyme is zinc dependent. So choline and zinc are two very important things uh, uh, to, uh, that are needed for that betaine or trimethylglycine dependent gene or enzyme. So the genes make the enzyme. That's that, that's what the genes are for. They make the enzyme to convert homocysteine back to methionine, use uh, using this indirect pathway. You you don't really want to use that pathway because you deplete your choline stores quickly. You, and you need your choline for many other things. But your body so wants to. That's our
0: backup get... pathway. If we are deficient in all the B vitamins, we've got this backup pathway.
1: Yeah, that's the backup pathway. And then, the, and then there's the third pathway called the transsulfurase pathway or the CBS yeah. pathway, and that's where you use B6 and zinc and also several liver detox genes to convert homocysteine into taurine, hydrogen sulfide, and your friend and mine, glutathione. So. Homocysteine, interestingly enough, can actually have a pathway to convert into glutathione. So uh, this it's it's a complex cycle. Um, it requires multiple different types of B vitamins. It requires a couple minerals. There's zinc in there. Magnesium is used in the comp pathway as well. Uh, iron is in, is indicated in some other places as well. Uh, uh, different amino acids are used. In different parts like glycine and serine, um, uh, trimethylglycine, betaine, we described that before, uh, uh, choline, there, there's, there's several important nutrients that are involved in this methylation pathway. And uh, so to, to give a summary, the, the five genes that Gary mentioned, very important, no doubt about it, there's just some other ones that are there also that can be analyzed from a genetics perspective as well. And uh to, to to limit yourself to just those five for six hundred bucks, uh, I I that's that's not to, to me that there's there's much more value you can get um than that. Uh and again, I appreciate his level of, of simplifying things down. So the so any 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 questions or comments, Shmain, that you had about this in
0: kind of layman's terms, just to help people understand, because people do come to me with high homocysteine on their labs. Mm-hmm. If your homocysteine levels are pretty high, these three systems are not working. That well, you one, well, well, into.
1: one of them, or, or or one or two of them are getting. They all work. They all work, mm-hmm. but but the the, the they one, like the folate cycle may be really out of whack and the other ones are just struggling to keep up. Like they're not supposed, they're supposed to be short-term things, especially the indirect. cycle.
0: Yeah. Um, So that was what I was alluding to is that they're, they're not working adequately and that is going to be because of different environmental and epigenetic factors as well. So, Dare I say, if if you have this high, you gotta look at the bigger picture before you try to get too granular.
1: Well, that's a, that's a perfect segue into the next segment, which is why would homocysteine be high in the first place?
0: I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: So, so <laughs> that's a perfect segue. So so the next the next section we're gonna cover is methylation is not the top priority in the body, inflammation is. Oh yeah. So inflammation and, and it's just there's a bunch of citations here for people uh if if they're masochistic enough to go into the PubMed universe uh to to look at to look at the papers but like literally how inflammation affects methylation like like, like there's is four four citations here, um, and and then you know, I'm just like-
0: gonna stop you there because you can you can make me sound better with my clients. Is if I had a dollar for every time I spoke about inflammation, I would not be doing this anymore. Right it, to the general public, it's just an umbrella term of inflammation. Obviously, me and you understand the intricacies, but like no matter what you're trying to achieve in your body and health, you have to address inflammation first. It's present everywhere. You have to address it.
1: Right. And let me, let me speak to inflammation then more specifically. What is it? What's the point of it? And why does it go on awry? The point I always take things when in doubt, always go back to evolutionary biology Always, 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 always to, to get a big picture understanding of why things are the way they are. That's my lens. If I'm ever confused, I go back to evolutionary biology and start there. Mm-hmm. The point of inflammation, inflammation is like cortisol. It's not bad for you. It's, only, it's useful in acute situation to get you out of trouble than immediate harsh emergency. It's really bad if it sticks around for a long time that's the that that's inflammation. So the point of inflammation is say I'm I'm a hunter gatherer and I'm out with my hunting party and we're trying to take down an animal that's 30 times our body weight using a pointy stick. That's 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 hunter gatherer. We're going to take down a giant animal with a pointy stick. Now, there's a very high likelihood one or more of us is going to get bitten, mauled, gored, trampled, uh <laughs> or a clod or whatever yeah so what what happens if i'm bit if i'm bit what is it what is a bite wound it is a tissue damage that rendering of flesh of tissue damage mm-hmm. so there's physical damage to the yeah. structure plus an injection of pathogens from the saliva and dirt in the teeth and whatever thing it just ate 20 minutes ago mm-hmm. so i now have an injection of infections plus tissue damage the point of inflammation is the body sends in emergency repair to repair the damage? Those are red blood cells. And it sends in an emergency immune system, those are called white blood cells, to take out the infection. Now, you wanna block off and wall off that area to prevent the infection from spreading. And you wanna, you have to shut down what's happening in order to repair it. Like you look at a building in any big city that's doing repair. That's like scaffolding all around it. Like it is partially functional. It is a mess. And it's just, you gotta just do all of this stuff. You gotta expand the outside to then work on it and repair it, get all the junk out of it, whatever happened to it. So so inflammation is there to heal and to disinfect. That's, that's the whole point of it. But the problem is, is when something is inflamed, you lose its function. So that the function, the, the building doesn't function as well anymore. The, whatever, what if you have hepatitis, your liver is now not functioning because it's inflamed. It's, it's on fire. Like your, if you have pancreatitis, like your pancreas is on fire. You have an emergency you're dealing with. It's not working because it's dealing with all these other things. Your elbow, if it swells up from a bite wound, it's not working properly because it's needing to repair and deal with the the potential infection. So that's the point of inflammation. Now, for people like me who genetically are over-inflamers, I had an evolutionary advantage as a hunting party member to survive short-term injury during the hunt compared to my lesser-inflamed party members at the expense of long-term chronic issues from being hypersensitive to over mm-hmm. Rel- the But my less inflammatory-prone hunting members, if they didn't die from a hunting accident, they were going to live longer because they were less inflammatory-prone. So that's the trade-off. That's how evolutionary biology works. Evolution does not give one hoot about me. It mm-hmm. gives a hoot about my lineage And it makes sure the lineage survives by throwing these little gambles out across multiple people in the same lineage. And you're a little more inflammatory prone. You're a little less inflammatory prone. You detox estrogen more readily. uh, You detox estrogen less readily, which is a good thing if you're in a fat-starved environment where calories are hard to come by. So you want to hold on to your estrogen with two hands as opposed to readily getting rid of this precious, expensive Estrogen, but if you're in a high calorie environment, you you should get, you know, you want to be able to process it out more because otherwise it can accumulate and have estrogen-non-dominant issues. Like it's, you can go through line item by line item and go through the evolutionary trade-offs in order to ensure the lineage survives. uh, Nature has ensured there's a variety of different genetic expressions that all recombine through sexual reproduction at every generation, and you just create a new combo out for the neck for the lineage to keep going. That's the whole point of inflammation. And that's why people have, quote, bad inflammatory genes. They're not bad. I don't have bad genes, even though my inflammatory genes are terrible. I'm, I'm misplaced. They're not
0: bad. They're terrible.
1: <laughs> well, well, no, they're terrible for this environment at this point in time in yes. human history. Mm-hmm. They're perfect for a high injury prone paleolithic hunter gatherer environment. I would have survived way better, way for me,
0: better, because I am like not hypersensitive to inflammation at all. Yeah, yeah. But, but again, I was gonna elaborate on that for the viewers before you got to it. Is what Sam is talking about is back in Paleolithic times. We are not in Paleolithic times now. So the more inflammatory issues you're having now, the the bigger problems it's going to be in the long term.
1: Yeah, it's a mismatch. I mean, there's even a book by that title called "Mismatch," which talks about the mismatch of our genes as hunter gatherers versus the genes of us pushing around a grocery cart. You know, like and time
0: time has moved faster than our genes have.
1: Correct, absolutely. Ta- a, a culture, culture, and technology. It, it's really technology that has expanded faster. There's like, there's there's different views of of history. There's the quote "great man thesis," and then there's the the culture big cultural shifts thesis you've got these big singular characters like, um, uh, Genghis Khan or, uh, you know, Alexander the great or or whoever that, that we seem to major decisions happen. And then you've got like the big cultural movements that happen, but then there's a third theory, which I ascribe to is it's really changes in technology that then the big movements and the singular individuals in history leverage to make the big shifts. It's really technological shifts that drive history into their different epochs. So we We are in a we have paleolithic genes in a space age technology environment, and that's the mismatch. So, uh, going just to kind of bring this bring this back down to what's practical, mm-hmm. you want to get your genes for inflammation checked in addition, not to exclusion of, to, in addition to the methylations, because the inflammatory genes are the most important ones. And here's the fifteen most important ones. Based on those criteria, interleukin one, interleukin, there's three interleukin ones, interleukin six, interleukin eight, interleukin eighteen, TNF alpha, three CRP genes, which are the th- acute phase uh, inflammation proteins in the liver, two COX genes, COX, and then the anti-inflammatory genes, interleukin, the three interleukin tens. Those are the most. Let me important- just stop
0: you for one second. Here in Canada, most doctors are testing crp but it's just crp which one are they testing one two or three do you think
1: it's it's usually it's usually if they're testing um and they just say it's the one it's usually the 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 dash one of the individual genes usually there is there is the rs code um underneath which you can get be definitive about it like there's we don't want to get lost in the hieroglyphics and hexadecimals of all these gene variation, uh, uh, these gene designation names, but th- this is a problem because there are multiple, multiple variations of different types of genes, um, and the nomenclature does get get overly complex. So that's why the RS designations, which are um, very long, you know, we're we're talking it, it's it's basically the area code and phone number of the gene to to dial in exactly what gene you're looking at. So the most famous ones on here are interleukin-6 and TNF-alpha, because uh, they're they're major keystones of the inflammatory pathway. The most important ones, I believe, are the interleukin, like of, like these are all the most important of, these 15, the most important, but the most important, most important, in my opinion, are actually the interleukin-10s. Uh, they're the ones that put out the fires of inflammation. So even if you have a small campfire, but you have no way of putting it out, it's gonna leave a burn scar. So the interleukin tens, it's like, do you have a a a fire hose to put out the, your inflammation, or do you have a little squirt gun? Yeah. So uh, that's inflammation, and inflammation controls methylation. Like if if your house is on fire, you need to deal with the fire, not with everything else. Mm-hmm. Then we have uh, the oxidative stress uh, has control over methylation. So oxidative stress is free radicals. So what what free radicals are? Um, And I'm just just pulling a direct quote out of one of these papers, quote, oxidative stress on complex traits and disease may be partly mediated through changes in epigenetic markers, e.g. DNA methylation, meaning this this is nerd speak for oxidative stress uh, causes problems by screwing up methylation. It's not the other way around.
0: Yeah,
1: It's not methylation causes oxidative stress. It's the oxidative stress causes methylation problems. So. Um, the now there there is some level of bidirectionality in these things, and that this is it's. I guess my statement wasn't entirely true. Uh, that methylation doesn't methylation problems don't cause oxidative stress. That's not entirely true. But the, the what Gary left out was there's other things that control methylation, and dealing with free radicals is one of them. And uh, what what I wanted to uh, put here was this is. Uh, this is uh, out of uh, the book switched on. Um, And it's showing how free radicals work. And they're the most important place to quench free radicals is in the mitochondria. So 95% mitochondria is where and Gary talked about, uh, Gary talked about the energy production um, that, you know, you can get either two ATP, uh, or, or 36 ATP, if you have, uh, if your mitochondria is working. If it's not working, you get two units of ATP. He he made a slight mathematical error. He said, you know, 16, you get 16 times the amount of energy, two to 36, it's technically 18, um, not not 30, not 16. Also the liver, and this is this is a pedantic point. So like I this is this is ultra pedantic and um the, the liver actually you can get 38 units of energy in the in the mitochondria because the liver has got an extra bonus bonus thing going on with its with its mitochondria to get an extra two units of atp but that, that's yeah it's it's kind of a non-necessarily salient point the what what is salient is that in order to make all that energy um and i have a whole separate podcasts on explaining mitochondria and this we we don't have another 30 minutes to go yeah. through all the I mitochondria send them to
0: me and i'll link them up for people okay. who want to go down the rabbit hole
1: Thank you. Um, so basically, mitochondria. I think of mitochondria as electricity factory, and and the factory is a wonderful metaphor. Mitochondria factory. So a factory needs walls. We call those sphingolipids. Uh, the factory needs machines. These are vitamins. The factory needs uh, uh, the factory needs um, uh, computer chips to run those machines. Those are called minerals. Mm. The uh, I think I think when I was gesturing with my hand, Zoom picked up that I was raising my hand to ask a question. That's
0: like in school.
1: <laughs> all, all, all this 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 AI stuff in Zoom is is all all the rage at the moment. Anyway, so uh, so you you've got minerals, which are the computer chips that run the machines. You've got um, conveyor belts that help move things along, that's like CoQ10 and also the little inner membrane. CoQ10 is actually a massive molecule. It, it's, it's enormous, uh, molecularly. Then you've got uh, security guards, like uh, the, the immune system to keep uh, the infections and vandals from screwing it up. And then you've got to have janitors that uh, clean the place up and make sure that sparks don't fly everywhere and set the place on fire. And that's, that's what the free radical scavengers are doing. Uh, MN sod, superoxide dismutase and catalase. Uh, sorry. Um, uh this glutathione peroxidase, catalase and superoxide dismutase. Those are the ones, those are the three janitors and, and, and uh, MN sod, that stands for MN stands for manganese, um, uh, or I call him Mr. Sod because the head janitor, Mr. Sod, is the head janitor yeah. and you need to have the, the head janitor has to take the two superoxide radicals and then it takes two of them and it combines into hydrogen peroxide and then glutathione peroxidase and catalase then take those two two of those peroxides and convert them to oxygen and water which is amazing and, and and gary actually alluded to this that you actually generate uh I, what did he say it was like a hundred gallons of water a day Metabolic in your system, metabolic water. Yeah. Metabolic yeah. water. This is metabolic water. Like, like you, you go, th- you make your body weight in AT- in uh in ATP uh, a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ten percent of your body weight is mitochondria. So <clears throat> this is metabolic water. This is how your body makes water,
0: mm-hmm. uh
1: in uh, uh in in the cells. Kind so- like the
0: camels. How the camels do it.
1: Right. Um, I, I haven't, I haven't interviewed a camel recently, but I, I I don't, uh, I I didn't realize that they, uh,
0: it's next (laughs) up on my list. So the camel's (laughs) humps are filled with fat, not actually water. And when they break down the fat, it becomes metabolic water.
1: Ah, okay. Got it. I didn't know
0: metabolic water is one of the byproducts of breaking down fat cells, even in humans.
1: Okay. Got Yeah, that's correct. So I didn't realize that can't that that's how that's how camels did. That's very clever. Yeah, definitely interview a camel for your next book.
0: I'll I'll let Ask you know.
1: Him how that um, <laughs> so uh that so the, the 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 point of this is I'm showing you the three most important genes for free radical scavenging, because these are the three main janitors in the mitochondria that generate 95% of all free radicals in the human body. 95%. So and And it's free radicals, like I showed before, uh, it's free radicals that can really screw up methylation. So I would want to know the top three genes that control free radical damage if I'm very concerned about methylation because these three would influence the methylation. Mm-hmm. The next thing is vitamin D utilization. So there's vitamin D, and i I just released a whole bunch of videos on my YouTube channel on understanding the vitamin D pathway.
0: Awesome. Uh, and also a
1: video of uh, Mr. Sod. I actually got a little picture from Canva of this happy janitor. You know, I was very happy to see that and put it in gonna the video. Check
0: that out. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and uh, so the, vi- the vitamin D utilization uh, has its own control over methylation. And uh, so vitamin D, and, and Gary even said this, vitamin D is the most, and I agree with him 100%. Vitamin D is the most important nutrient in the human body, in my opinion, next to like water. Mm. Like, like it's, it's vitamin vitamin D is the most important vitamin. It controls it's estimated between three and five percent of your entire genome. Yeah. Three five percent. That is for one thing. It is it is so important. Um I've actually I've actually debated with uh the genetic scientists uh who uh who who put these all these panels together about why are the the vitamin D receptors considered priority 27 and 28 when I think they should be priority one and two. And and the reason why I say that is because what I've noticed in doing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these genetics tests is that the people who struggle the most with chronic illness and chronic diseases, with only one exception in my entire career, they all had double reds or double yellows in their vitamin VDR genes. And the person with the double greens had horrific stress in their life. Like uh death of a child, like, and which is probably the worst stress any parent can possibly go through uh and and of course, they would develop and totally understandable rather why they would develop something chronic with that level of stress, and uh everyone else was like straight up, double reds, double yellows, mostly double reds, and I went back to dr beaver uh and who, who put this together, by the, the two interviews of him on my website as well, on my YouTube channel as well. If people want to be super nerdy and talk to the, to the guy who put these this, this panels together, um, the, I asked him, I said, look, Dr. Beaver, I see a pattern. Yes. I've seen enough people to, to see it to call it a pattern. Please go back and check the database and go check your other uh, top genetic clinicians because uh, they've got the numbers to actually see patterns. I want you to see if double red VDRs, especially double reds, have a correlation with chronic illness. He got back to me in a couple of months and he said, you're absolutely right. There's absolutely a pattern of the double reds. And, and that's, that's why, the, the, when I, when I when it was a collegial argument, when I, at, the, at the genetics seminar, I was, I was seeing this pattern years before I, I, was, I was seeing it emerge. And I said, like, I think there's something here. But then I, did, I came back to him a while later after I had way, way more tests to, to back up my, my hypothesis. So- you,
0: Are you aware of the recent research around vitamin D3 deficiencies and COVID outcomes? There, if I can find it, if you haven't seen it, I can find it and get it to you. Basically showing that people with the worst COVID outcomes were vitamin D deficient. And when it came to the comorbidities that we heard about, the comorbidities were being driven through the vitamin D deficiency.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I knew, I, 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 me and my colleagues in functional medicine uh, were talking about this in mid 2020. Yeah. Like way, 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 way early on. and And when you look at Italy, you know, they got tragically hit with a lot of deaths and when you look at italy like everyone smokes and the one of the number one things to screw up the vdr receptors on the surface of your cells is smoking Mm -hmm. that is one of the number one ways to withdraw your ability to use vitamin d is to smoke Mm -hmm. and so when you look at the comorbidities you look at people who uh have less exposure to the sun whether it's the, they're, they're not outside, they have darker melanin or culturally they they wear way, way, way more clothing mm-hmm. to wrap themselves up for cultural, religious reasons. Um, they're much, much higher comorbidities because of the lack of not, not necessarily, not only of synthesis of vitamin D um, from the sun uh, also maybe dietary restrictions culturally, they're not eating foods that have high vitamin D, but also the, getting vitamin D into your blood is half the game. Getting it from the blood into the cells is the other half. Yeah. And that's where the VDRs come in. VDRs is the receptor. It's the docking site for vitamin D to actually dock on the cell and enter into the cell to, to navigate and stimulate the genes to deal with primarily inflammation and infection. That's the primary role of vitamin D is to deal with inflammation and infection. Yeah, bones too, but that's not the priority. The priority is to deal with inflammation and infection. So.
0: And uh, a direct impact on mitochondria function as well.
1: Absolutely. I mean, vitamin D, I mean, it's like, like if, if it affects three to 5% of of your DNA, of, of your DNA and the bulk of that is dealing with inflammation and infection, the ramifications are just staggering. I mean, even, e- even some of the other components of vitamin D does, like it, 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 it it keeps the tight junctions of the colonocytes tight. They're literally called tight junctions to keep the, the cells that line the colon uh, tightly knit together. So nothing leaks through like literally the leaky gut, you know, one of the things, one of the causes of leaky gut is low vitamin D yeah. because your, your gut can't stay stitched together. So uh, vitamin D has its own control over over methylation. And so I would want to know if I am so concerned about methylation, I would want to know my VDR genes, like for sure. I I mean, if it were me, I would want to know my VDR genes more than the inflammatory genes, hence the argument with Dr. Beaver. But uh, so this is just another example of things that are superordinate to methylation. And then lastly, I want to talk about detoxification. uh, It has its own control over methylation. Now here's, here's an example, like environmental talk is a direct quote here, environmental toxins, such like toxic metals can alter epigenetic regulatory features such as DNA methylation, histone modification, and non-coding RNA expression. Heavy metals influence gene expression by epigenetic mechanisms and by directly binding to various metal responses elements in target gene promoters. Okay. So this is a lot of,
0: there's
1: a lot of words, there's a lot of genetic word salad here to, um, to talk about how uh, toxic, if you can't detox toxic metals, it's going to screw up methylation. Now, remember what I said in the mitochondria, you need minerals, they're computer chips to run the machines inside the factory. The, the re- one, re- one of the ways that heavy metals is, are so damaging is that they, f- they swap out, the heavy metals swap out the minerals in at uh, the uh, it's a lesser computer chip to go into the machine. So it's like trying to run a 2024 MacBook Pro with a 1997 Mac chip.
0: Yeah.
1: It's it's not going to work even remotely. So I spoke well.
0: about this yesterday for my hmm. followers who are kind of understand what you're getting at. Uh molecular mimicry that the heavy metals can and vice versa, they can displace each other. If you yes, have
1: displace. Them. That's the right word. Yeah, that was the word I was looking for. They displace that. Uh, they displace yeah. the minerals in, in for the machines. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I'm a big, big pusher of minerals, mineral water. For Because people get obsessed with heavy metal detoxes and they overthink a lot of it. And for the, the general population, it, it's too complicated. If we can approach it simpler. So one of the ways I, I was discussing that was true mineral displacement. If you can flood your body with good minerals, we can help displace some of these bad heavy metal minerals.
1: Yeah. There's many different theories when it comes to detox. So So many. And um, I'll just list off a couple of them. One is the you must there metal bad get rid of immediately urgently. So it's it's the get rid of the metals philosophy. Then there's the let's give the body all the nutrient. Let's flood all the body with all the nutrients it needs mm. to make things sufficient and let the metals and the toxins be displaced slowly over time, as opposed to forcing the issue.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then. Then there's other theories on, well, let's improve the exits, the, the, the exit rows Mm -hmm. to, uh, not necessarily push metals out the door faster and exceed someone's metabolic capacity. But if the metals are trying to leave and the doors are blocked, well, that's not the metal's fault. Yeah. You know, let's, let's not try to, let's not try to pull the metals out through a really tiny exit door. Let's just open the door much, much bigger. So, so you have people that focus on lymphatic drainage first, or then you have people that focus on uh, bind just, just using lots of binders in the gut first to help remove the burden and, and kind of use binders as a third kidney. So you poop things out as opposed to try to metabolize them through the gut, through the blood system, through the liver and kidneys, and out. You just kind of bypass that. So those are those are three major theories around detox and and the where I mean as long as we're here, like, where do I stand? I stand on, well, it, it's case dependent. So it really depends on someone's resilience and their timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have very high resilience uh, and they are really keen on getting rid of things quickly, then you can do the let's remove things. Like if they're already pretty sufficient and they're, they're sturdy, then doing the let's just remove things quickly approach, that can work with, Possibly some blowback called a Herxheimer reaction now, now herxing out what a Herx reaction out is like we're, we're literally looking at the detoxification panel right here. What herxing out is when your phase one exceeds your phase two hmm. so the best the best way to understand detox is it's a washer dryer system. I learned this from dr one of my mentors Dr. kalish It's a washer dryer system so when you when you have dirty clothes we I, I have a big memory we talked about this on the last podcast um maybe uh maybe so the
0: the, the last washer... podcast was ninety
1: minutes. So we spoke about a lot. We covered a lot. Covered a lot of stuff. Okay, so the the washer dryer system is, you you have see so you have a dirty, dirty T shirt, you put it in the washer, and you, it's now wet and and rinsed off. But now you have to put it in the dryer, quickly because if you don't, you just keep it wet. It's going to get moldy and it's going to be worse than if you hadn't washed it in the first place. Yeah. So. That's the, that's the exact thing that's going on in phase one and phase two. So phase one is the washer. Phase two is the dryer. You actually have six dryers. That is methylation, acetylation, methionation, um, uh glycination. Uh, there's one more I'm blanking on, but it's, it'll come back to me at 2 a.m. this morning, whatever. Um, the, the, uh, what, what will happen is that if you if your dryers aren't clear... To go if they're jammed, if they're full, if the dryers are broken, if they're lacking the the amino acids or whatever, if they're lacking the amino acids or they're, they're preoccupied or they're overwhelmed or, or or something else, and you just put all this wet laundry in and there's no place to dry it, then those toxins the the toxins that go into phase one they're actually more dangerous after phase one because now they're like really. That they they're, they're made into what's called an oxide radical. They're, they're made more reactive so that the amino acids in phase two can glom onto them. And now these toxins are now heavier and can be pooped out and gotten rid of because the liver throws bile detoxes, puts in the bile, puts in the gallbladder and the gallbladder ejects bile into the small, large intestine to then small intestine, excuse me, to then be traversed out, out as poop. And so that's how your body will get rid of a huge chunk of its toxins. The other ways, major ways through the kidneys,
0: but this so, is why, you, for those listening, this is why it's such a huge problem when people have severe constipation. And I mean right. severe, like more than I have some clients that don't go for like up to eight weeks. And I keep saying this is a big problem. But the that's
1: gap- did you they did 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 don't have her
0: well, I've spoke to them about it, and I've said, "Look, your gastroenterologist is not taking this serious enough because this is going to be very problematic." There's also autoimmune issues there, which I believe are being driven by this retoxification all the time.
1: Yeah, so if someone hasn't pooped in eight weeks, like that's actually that's that's like an like that may be Hirschsprung's. I mean, for so people don't know that Hirschsprung's is a is a genetic uh, condition where. You lack, um, you lack the kind of rubber band like elasticity of the gut and stuff. Just kind of the colon just kind of balloons and doesn't actually push back to 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 contract to poop things out. Um, wow, that's it was a crazy long time not, um,
0: it's not like totally uncommon like i hear it's i've heard it from a few people it's not but even at, even if we were to reduce that time frame anything more than three days starting to have some problems there
1: totally so so people can herx out or have a herxheimer reaction if they don't have enough of the amino acids to all the dryers aren't working so, so people exceed their ability to detox, it creates a problem. So uh, long and short of it, the, the detoxification is, is uh, dealing toxins in a poor detoxification capacity also can uh, affect methylation. Now, and also methylation is one of the detox pathways. So, so the, this is a bidirectional thing. Like there is, yeah. there is a back and forth here. So the last thing, uh, one of the last things I wanted to cover here um oh uh one one thing i forgot to mention earlier on i wanted to just publicly thank dr fortuno um who's a geneticist and she's the one who helped me collate a lot of these research articles mm-hmm. uh and uh she's she did she did the vast majority of the the, the I, I i collaborated with her um uh for this presentation i i found one of them but she found the the rest of them and I uh, just want to really appreciate her diligence. Uh, I'm, I'm more viewed as like the communicator, not the researcher. Yeah. Um, I just want to appreciate her publicly, Dr. Fortuno. Um, oh, thank you. The, the other genes I want to mention, which is the HCY. Now, Dr. Uh, sorry, it's not Dr. Uh, Gary talks about HCY as a mood based gene. Now, I the reason why HCY is not involved in this particular research, in this panel of 110 genes, is because there's a lack of general research there's a general lack of research on the impact of the variants as opposed to other genes in the same pathway hcy is highly conserved so it's it's very unlikely there's a there's a variant in, it in the first place and b3 is a major cofactor which people should be taking in their multivitamin anyway so there's not like some major thing to do yeah aside from the obvious which you'd be doing anyway um and uh it's it's we'd want to focus on other genes that have real consequences in the wider public that can something can really be done about it MAOA and if we're talking about mood MAOA and COMPT are way more investigated and important for mm-hmm. uh, mood true. issues and so i wanted to show like what uh like MAOA so so there's MAOA1 there's MAOA2 now um there's this is one of those cases where green dot red dot actually doesn't mean green, good, red, bad. It means you have different risk profiles associated with it. So I'll show you an example of, here's a green dot MAOA1 and a red dot MAOA2. And the, um, the you know, green dot MAOA1 is, you know, increased risk of reduced spatial memory, addiction, and worse response to antidepressant drugs, amongst other things. Red dot MAOA2 is increased risk of aggression, aggressive traits, and... You know, basically more prone to anger. Whereas MAO, a red dot in MAO1 is like depression, OCD, panic attacks, ADHD, schizophrenia, and chronic fatigue syndrome risks. Whereas a green dot in MAO2 is that it's lower risk of aggressive traits. Now there's a strange, there's a strain. And so there's basically four different quads. You can have two green dots in MAO1 and 2. You can have A green, uh, a green red, you can have a red green, you can have two reds, you know, see there's four different things, combinations. Now there's one, this is one particular combination I wanted to point out, which is very, 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 very important. People who have a red dot MAOA1 and a green dot MAOA2 have an extremely problematic relationship with alcohol. Like these are your violent drunks, violent. Like these people must absolutely stay away from alcohol at all costs, even though ironically, it says you're less prone to anger, asterisk, Alcohol. Mm. Okay, so so this is a combination that I, as a public service announcement for people who are super nerdy on their genes or they want to get their genes tested, um, you must you must stay away from alcohol if you have this combination. So, uh, that's so for people looking for mood genes. There's better options than AHcy.
0: And there we go so, back to our vitamin D again as well for this mm-hmm. like, playing an important role there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So the things, the things that help all MAOA1, all of them is exercise and stress management. All of them. There's some other extra things that can be done for some other variant combinations like vitamin D and quercetin for MAOA-2, if it's a green. Yeah. So, uh, so these, these are the genes I, this is kind of the big picture stuff I wanted to cover that the five genes Gary talked about, they're very important. He explained them extremely well uh, but it, it's insufficient. There's, there's uh, about a dozen more uh, methylation genes to really look at and to also understand that inflammation controls methylation, oxidative stress or free radicals control methylation, vitamin D controls methylation. And then there's a relationship with detoxifications, bidirectional, that also influences methylation uh, that, that we really need, if we're very concerned about methylation, We really need to look at the bigger picture lifestyle, environmental, and genetic factors that are superordinate to just those five methylation genes. As any other? Do you have any questions or any comments, or the things you wanted to chat about those particular concepts? Well, that, was,
0: that was like, awesome. It was very in. Like, I don't think it was too nerdy. I think that was pretty good. Although I'm a now, nerd now too. my
1: feelings are hurt. Okay.
0: <laughs> <But> <laughs> I am a nerd too. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I got the glasses to prove it. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. So there was I maybe off topic, but I'm just curious with the the test that gary is doing if you were limited to five what five would you pick
1: oh that's a great question um i would pick oh if i were limited to five wow uh okay so i guess one question five for overall health or for a specific thing
0: let's go with overall health because you know if you're healthy the body composition is going to follow
1: Okay, I would pick if I only had 5, I would pick VDR1 uh because that's that VDR1 I found to VDR VDR2 follows VDR1 in almost every case I've seen. Hmm. So I I'll pick VDR1. Um I would pick uh interleukin 10-1 because that's the one that's the most uh, what why are we getting balloons now across
0: because That
1: was the right answer. <laughs> that was the right answer.
0: Okay.
1: I can't <laughs> AI is messing with me. I'm I'm I feel like Skynet is taking over. All right. Yeah. Um, I would pick VDR1, I would pick interleukin 10 1, mm-hmm. I would pick uh interleukin 6, I would pick TNF alpha, mm-hmm. uh, and I would pick MN sod. Yeah, Mr. Sod, uh,
0: those
1: MN, Mr. Sod, Those. those would be those would be the five and and look it's a real like i would throw compton in there as like number 6
0: yeah
1: i would i would put comp because it so influences people's mood
0: mm-hmm.
1: and their quality of life um i i think from a health from like an overall what will affect everything the most Mental. those would be the five if you had to pick five
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah. And it's not that VDR two isn't important. It's that I can get the information I need from VDR one. Yeah, they're
0: That's kind all of the in tangent.
1: But pretty much, I, I wouldn't need VDR two to corroborate VDR one.
0: Yeah, that that was the one thing I through the conversation. I was like, "What five would he pick then?" Because I'm going to make my own test and I'm going to. All
1: right, <laughs> you're going to make your own test. Start six hundred like Gary is. Okay, what what would be your five? I'm curious.
0: Uh well, definitely the ILs. CRP I've always liked the CRP tests um COMT because you see COMT issues a lot in women especially cycling women and you know mental health if you don't have your mental health the ability to make other lifestyle choices are going to be pretty tough there
1: I would do that
0: uh, Mr. Saad, because you convinced me that he is one of the primary catalysts that we need working in our favor.
1: It tickles me when you when people are now you're first person to now proactively say Mr. Saad on on my on my thing. I, that that I feel very seen. Thank you. You I, need
0: you need to trademark it. It's like I have a term fairy dust, and everybody uses it now. Like when okay. I'm talking about nutrition. <laughs>
1: right.
0: But these words help people understand more right. um, and then probably, like you said, because of the importance of the m a o probably testing that because of the violence that we're seeing in society nowadays, maybe that would be a good test just to well
1: it would it would be, but the solution um so just just to go into some some statistics. I I I have a I had a period of my life where I was studying the nature of violence probably because I experienced a lot of it growing up and it, there is one variable that can reduce overnight 50% of all murders all rapes and all violence mm-hmm. across the entire world and that's alcohol yeah if you just got rid of alcohol 50% of all of those things would be gone so my and, and the idea
0: can, can you tell me then why why were all the off licenses and liquor stores allowed to stay open when everything else was closed well that's that's a different lobby.
1: route. that's just lobbying that's not that's not who and i don't think there's anyone under the illusion that the liquor stores are open for health reasons mm. um the uh it's yeah i mean that that's a much wider Frankly, more depressing conversation, <laughs> um, but but the the idea of that there's a culture of violence that we live in a culture of violence or it's on school camps a culture of violence is like um, no it's a culture of alcohol
0: yeah.
1: and 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 that if if your culture of violence is fifty percent of that is literally statistically tied to one thing don't call it that culture of something else call it the culture of that thing
0: mm-hmm. that
1: accounts for fifty percent of the thing you think it is. Yeah. So so that would be the first step. And I think there's a level of the problem is, is that when people are drunk, they, they know what they're doing is wrong. That's the thing. They just don't have the inhibition. They don't have the ability to inhibit the action of doing it. They still know it's wrong, mm-hmm. but they just don't have their frontal lobes activated to stop it from happening. So lecturing people of how you're, you're, you're creating a culture of violence, lecturing people and how bad it is, doesn't stop the people who drink from doing it because the al- because the alcohol doesn't the, moral, the moralizing doesn't stop the behavior.
0: Yeah. Are you still there? Looks like we have frozen. I don't know if that's your end or my end. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're back. I'm back. Oh. Yeah, I don't know okay. if it was you or me. Totally froze there.
1: Okay. Uh, maybe Skynet was. But upset. The mob is talking Dang about it. alcohol. He's talking <laughs> about alcohol. I know. So yeah. I'm sorry, Skynet. You can but not your-
0: only the violence aspect for our followers, like, and I'm sure you agree with me like alcohol in itself is going to slow down detoxification of hormones it's going to affect how your body burns body fat how you lose weight
1: i haven't published it yet but i have one of the things i've done is that this the genetics program that i run i i'm I'm completing um a online course an online diy self-directed genetics so people can get their results That's pretty cool. and then, and then like it, it's I've, I've developed this in the year we since we've spoken
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, i've created a program that people can get their their 110 genes and then they get their their custom report around what to do and then if they want to go super nerdy they can go into the individual genes or gene patterns in the back end and really dive deep and and i spent twenty minutes i have I have one of the alcohol one of, sorry one of the panels I run is understanding your trigger Foods, yeah, and trigger foods include some genes on alcohol detoxification, and just on that alone, one of the videos on alcohol is twenty minutes where I talk about the entire history and socio political like the the entire reason why alcohol is around and the dangers of alcohol metabolically. And that's just one of those videos. So if people want like a complete genetics education, according to their individual genetic readout, not of five genes, but of like 110 ish. Mm. And then I would recommend like investing in doing this kind of DIY program. And And there's even that
0: be available.
1: Uh, It's available now. And so (laughs) it's the, 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 the course is I've I recorded eighty of the hundred and thirty something videos so there's plenty
0: yeah there's
1: plenty to do <laughs> in the meantime and then it's just being it's it's being built out so people are getting people are getting what uh they're 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 getting a a price right now which is not we're in the full full course because it's in development they're yeah. getting kind of the dew strip but there's still plenty of stuff to do. And so with the genetics that, that I offer, it's a lab, It's a package of six actual tests. There's the Achieve Your Natural Weight, which covers the, the seven drivers, the inflammation, free radical damage, liver detox, oxidative stress, um, or that's the free radical damage, uh, methylation, vitamin D receptors, cardiovascular circulation, and the fat and energy metabolism. This is also the one where if you're concerned about the genetic fault lines you've inherited, this will tell you what are the drivers you need to shore up and exactly how to address them. The Find Your Ideal Diet, that's the one that looks at, are you keto, Mediterranean, paleo, or high carb? Trigger foods look at your reactions to coffee, gluten, alcohol, salt, histamine, uh, caffeine, and food triggers. Vitamin D absorption, like can you actually utilize uh, your ability to synthesize vitamin D from the sun? Immunity genes like uh, vitamin C, zinc, and other inflammatory genes. And then eating behaviors, like are you genetically wired to overeat, over crave sugar, over consume sugar, sugar, avoid bitter foods. Um, this, there's, there's lots and lots in all of, uh, there's, there's lots and lots of great information in all these different panels. And there's, they're all done together to create a synergy. And uh, I would really strongly recommend people, if they want to invest in genes, then invest in not five methylation genes, but in 110 of which includes like 15, 16 methylation genes and all these other things as well.
0: I know people uh, are going to ask is, a lot of my followers are based out of Canada. Are you saliva testing? so no, there's
1: the cheek swab. It's, it's cheek swab. So yeah. it's a really simple, super simple cheek swab. Uh, and uh, it can be done in like a minute on each side of the cheek and you're done. Awesome. And it's then sent off to the lab. And also for your, uh, for your, uh, viewers and listeners. I've got a couple eBooks. Uh, one is on, uh, biohack your biohacking on the 10 pillars of health, which, and functional testing. And I had two books on genetics, uh, one on the full, all the different panels we talked about. And one is specifically on how you can genetically determine your optimal diet using this very, using this very system. So one of the things Gary didn't cover was how to know what diet you should have based on your genetics.
0: Yeah, he key. gives you nutrient tips, but not specifics.
1: Yeah, so I would want to know if I'm genetically optimally suited for K- keto, paleo, Mediterranean, or high carb. I want to know my relationship to histamines, my relationship to salt, my relationship to caffeine. Uh, you know, I I have I have the gene for caffeine induced anxiety and depression, which is
0: which really sucks for you. Get...
1: Yeah, <laughs> I had a bulletproof coffee ever, and I was a jittery mess. Uh, and I was conflating anxiety with energy. Um, so if
0: you paired it with like six grams of glycine or something, maybe you could, I, also- I
1: try Okay. Let me, let me give you what I put in this thing. I made I my coffee at first of all, like all organic, you know, the mold free. blah blah. State, yeah. I, okay. I put in, I put in coconut oil, coconut milk, cardamom, clove, turmeric, burdock, uh, Cinnamon, um, uh, oh, there's like three other things or four other things, uh, uh, amino acids, um, and salt. Um, I had the recipe I made somewhere. I mean when I made it, it was like this, uh, cacao. I put in cacao, uh, it was like this, it was like this Moroccan like a
0: meal. Ch- it was,
1: it was, it was like a food group, you know, it was like a, it was like this chai moroccan mochaccino like right. bliss 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 bomb you know yeah. but it was but i was the caffeine just so i i was i had a red dot in the cyp a1a2 and the adora uh two something one one r one two one r1 I, don't, I can't remember the exact designation um i had i i cannot do caffeine I just can't do it. I don't care how much I buffer it with all these spices and fats and amino acids. I'm I'm just a mess. So I had to switch to um, an adaptogenic uh, adrenal tea yeah. that tastes eighty percent like coffee. Uh, oh, I put in dandelion and burdock as well into that.
0: But that like those everything else bar the burdock and now dandelion sounds great. But burdock is so strong in its flavor in a way.
1: Well, well, I have a few other flavors to mask it with in my little uh, So, thing.
0: how are you with decaf because decaf still has like four percent of the caffeine
1: uh de- decaf is better but i just i'm just better off not I- i'm super sensitive to caffeine i i just can't i just really can't It's it's really frustrating I'm sorry
0: um, I'll drink the caffeine for you because I'm so
1: generous for you I'll just osmose the energy I wonder oh. if
0: that has something to do with your inflammation sensitivities as well though because I the only time I'm sensitive to inflammation really is around my menses otherwise I'm like I push down inflammation very very well like stress is a trigger for me but I can tolerate caffeine well so I wonder if there's some sort of correlation there
1: so, um, so I, I'm very pro-inflammatory, and I'm, I'm sure that there's uh, – if, if I'm inflamed, then it's going to globally – like inflammation is superordinate to detoxification. So it's not just inflammation is superordinate to methylation. Inflammation is superordinate to detoxification. And the analogy um, – my favorite analogy is like if, if you have uh, overflowing garbage in your kitchen, but your stove is on fire. What's the priority
0: yeah
1: what's the priority it's it's putting out the fire you know so like if if i'm if I'm inflamed then all my detox pathways are messed up and if my caffeine detox pathway is already compromised it's going to be extra special compromised yeah um so i I think it's um it's it's multifaceted but for sure I'm just just my my adora two a one gene is just super red. And I just can't, there's, there's two main genes. There's the CYP1A2 and the Adora uh, 2A1 that are involved directly with caffeine sensitivity. And I just, I just can't do it. So oh, I'm gonna- again, if you enjoy, I will have, I will have coffee whatever. What's it called? Coffee compersion? I don't know. Uh, uh, if you enjoy your coffee and I'll just sit here and mope. Um- <laughs> I'll,
0: you can live vicariously through me.
1: <laughs> right. So no. that there's
0: one question I'm going to ask now, because I know my listeners, I know them well, and yeah. I know they're going to ask this. Would you say then that's across the board, people who are more pro sensitive to inflammation are going to have more caffeine issues?
1: Um, I'd say people who are sensitive to inflammation are going to have more problems to all things add that that are uh, a burden of this modern world that we're not that, that because we're in a mismatch of our environment. So you're going to be more sensitive to you're going to be more sensitive to uh foods that are artificial or processed. You're going to be more sensitive to all the extra environmental particulate in the air that didn't exist uh except in the regions where there's a lot of volcanic activity or an asteroid hit within the recent enough mm. that you could have lived but the dust plume didn't kill you off all outright, but just hung in the air. Um, or forest fires from whatever that wafted over into your region. Um, right. so, so there are there – are, I mean, look, there, there are people that went through a bottleneck of selective pressure that have you know, you know, hundreds or even a thousand-fold X increase in their capacity to get rid of toxins because they were in an evolutionary bottleneck because they were next to a volcano. You know, their their tribe just survived there. And the the people who were sensitive to the metals died and the other ones, the lineage lived on that were able to detox. So um, there is also, I I would say globally, I would, I would say yes. And people who are inflammatory prone would have more problems with caffeine and as long as everything else along with everything else. else.
0: Yeah. Well, Sam, it's not often that I say this conversation was epic. I think it's very understandable, but this conversation has been epic. Like, so many takeaways to this. I don't think, okay, it was nerdy, but it wasn't too nerdy. I think I'm people. Hurting my
1: feelings, Shamin. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> it's all right. I'll send you some dandelion tea in the post.
1: The least, The least Zoom could do is pop up a nerd emoji just by my face showing up on camera. Like I feel so unseen by Skynet right now. I don't
0: even know what those things were. That was the first time I've seen them and I do so, all these.
1: So what happens that I, I gesture a lot. So what happens is that like the, the, the AI thingy in zoom is, is I know we can test all this out or you can make, you know, funny faces or whatever. Um, the, the zoom, unless you turn the feature off, it'll automatically, set the, set your hand gestures to create, I mean, look, I just have to put it on my standard operating procedure before I get on a podcast to shut that thing off. So I don't throw balloons out before. I think it's an update. It's a very recent update to zoom. And I don't know if the U S has a different
0: zoom schedule
1: compared to other parts of the world. That
0: goes back to what we're saying, like technology is well ahead of us.
1: (laughs) Right. I get very uncomfortable when my Instapod is smarter than I am.
0: Look, I don't even know what an Instapod is, so there you go. (laughs) Okay, This has been really, really awesome, and I'm going to share those videos. I took note when you were talking of the vitamin D videos you have because I think people are going to be interested in them. Coincidentally enough, before our call, I did a group call with my group on D3 and K2 and just kind of discussing that, so we're on the same frequency. It's not working for me, so... But um, right. thank you for this. Thank you for agreeing to come back on. This was awesome. So and uh, no doubt when I'll share it with you and you share it wherever you want, because Absolutely. this you. I think I've listened to a lot of your stuff, but this is some of your best stuff. So thank you.
1: And, to... and it was, and I uh, thank you for inviting me on. Uh, and and again, my, my extend my greatest appreciation to Dr. Fortuno who helped ferret out the citations to 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 back up what we're saying about the the more complete picture around methylation and um and i appreciate i i appreciate gary's work he's an excellent educator he really is he's able to simplify I just think he went a little too simplistic with well, he this has and again, the
0: word out and he has made a lot more people more aware
1: absolutely and and you have a how many genes can you talk about in, in two hours and 20 minutes with, with, with Joe Rogan. Like we're, we've been talking now for over an hour and I've talked in like broad brushes. Mm-hmm. Like we maybe talked specifically about three dozen genes, like in some level of detail, but I mean, to talk about 110 in detail, this is going to be days, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's again, as, as a public, as a public health educator, um how there's always going to be some line drawn and um and uh i I just i appreciate the opportunity to kind of offer a more rounded out view of what what's happening with methylation
0: yeah that was exactly why i reached out to you to help kind of give the bigger picture to people um so i'll be in touch soon thanks a lot for your time this was again epic um we'll be in touch anything else you want to add in
1: uh, I just encourage people to uh, go to my website and, and opt in for one of my several books. So you're on my mailing list and you get my genetics info. Mm-hmm. And then there also will be on the website a link for the Genetics Plus program. And if you're actually interested in getting your genes analyzed, then uh, that opportunity is available to you and i and i guarantee you the the, the value is way better than five genes for 600 bucks
0: <laughs> i'm gonna do uh-huh. it i'm going to order it as soon as i get around to it i just sent off my hair mineral analysis test mm-hmm. and what else have i done well i'm doing actually hormone practitioner training now with plat wellness but this year i'm just gonna do all the tests
1: yeah. So, so, but when, when you say all the tests, what, what do you mean? Cause all the tests is, is. A... Well,
0: no, I'm going to do genetics. I just sent off my hair. I have the deuterium test. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. That's on my list of things to do. So I'm going to go get my checkup, my annual checkup. So here I'll be able to get some of the hormones done. I'm going to do the Dutch tests. So that mm-hmm. I have a list of tests. I want to get through.
1: What about stool and mitochondria?
0: Uh, well, my mitochondria action, from what my education, from what I know of mitochondria and metabolism, I'm pretty on point with that. I'm pretty good. I've no real like. I have done a DEXA. I've had my chronological and biological age comparison done. My biological age is in twenty one with or twenty nine, which is pretty awesome. Uh, I don't have issues. Not to brag. <laughs> well, uh, I don't have my energy production's pretty good and I know what's going to pull me down if it's going to pull me down. So that's not at the top of my list. And as for stool tests, I don't, well, I know I have diverticulosis. I've had that confirmed through MRI. So I'm, I'm pretty aware of that. Um, I'm pretty, I think I'm okay with my bowel movements right now. Like again, they're not on the top of my list.
1: Sure, sure. So uh, one, so one thought is for a future podcast, if you want to go over the, uh, big picture of all the different functional tests that in broad categories. So like, you know, you know, your body very well. And I just think perhaps some of your listeners they may want an overview. Like what are the five categories of metabolic tests? So there's hormone, there's hormone tests, you know, that, that there's like adrenals, sex hormones, thyroid, melatonin, then there's the, all the different digestive tests. So that's like the big stool tests, like GI map, GIFX, G360, CDSA. Then there's SIBO and then there's food intolerance tests and then naming all the companies, naming all the tests. So they, they have a first pass of what the, all the hormone and gut tests are. Then there's the mitochondrial tests and that giant ball of wax of all the different things that go under mitochondria. Then there's the weird stuff tests. So that's Lyme mold metals. Lime's the bio- big
0: one here in where yeah, I am. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So- and then there's genetics tests, which is the fifth category, which we've already covered.
0: Well, we, let let's schedule that in. I'll block off three hours in my schedule. Oh,
1: just <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Okay, we need at
1: least four. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I'll be in touch about that. I'm sure people will be interested in that. Thanks again for your time. We're under the ninety minutes, but we're still over oh. the hour.
1: <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, we, yeah. All right.
0: Thanks. Sam. Okay.
1: Bye, Shuri. Thank you so much.